Hello and welcome to the Drum History Podcast. I'm your host, Bart Vanderzee, and today I am joined by Jeremy Berman and Max Cusor. Max and Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, hey. man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is a really cool one. Um, so we're going to be talking about Q-Drum, we're going to be talking about Orange County, we're going to be talking about drum teching, we're going to be talking about uh, what's been going on with Jeremy and kind of give everyone an, uh, an update on that, which is some some pretty heavy stuff. But um, I think for starters to jump in, guys, um, why don't we just go back to the early days and uh, you both were builders at Orange County, which there's recently been uh, two Orange County episodes, so we won't go too heavy into like, more Orange they were, County. They, they were great. They were fantastic. They, I listened yeah, to Yeah, they did a better they, job. They did a better job than you could have done, that's for sure. I appreciate that. And and yeah. But so that being said, Jeremy, you came up a lot, obviously, of doing some influential stuff. And then, Jeremy, you talked to me a lot about how much you are a fan of what Max has been doing. So yeah. um, let's just hop in here, man. And I don't know, Jeremy, talk about how you got involved with Orange County back in 99, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, I was working at Guitar Center. I was freshly learning how to play drums. I started late. I started in, when I was like 18. And um, while I was at Guitar Center in Fountain Valley, um, John Machado, who is one of the founders of Orange County Drum, would come into to the shop to buy drum heads. And uh, we just became buddies. And... Um, NAM show of 1999, I believe was in Los Angeles and it wasn't in Anaheim and I was working for guitar center. Um, I had just flipped a vehicle over a freeway overpass and I, and I, and I survived. I walked away. Long story short, what do you want to do? I don't want to be a salesman. It sucked. It was the worst. It was the worst experience, but also the best experience taught me this is not what I want to be. So I bugged John for about a month and a half every time he would come in. Hey, you got a spot. He's like, you're going to make way less money and it's just menial labor. And I said, sweet, sign me up. So the first time I went down there to meet them, I uh, uh, spoke to John. I met the guys that were there and it was maybe three people. It was uh, Josh Lamb, um, rest in peace, Robert Noyes, Robert Ortiz. Um, who didn't technically work at Orange County Drum because he's a he's a bass tech for Blink One Eighty Two, but he uh, he was there and he's kind of the one that brought me in, showed me the back, showed me all the stuff that they do, and uh, and I was sold from that moment on. And I literally spent the first seven months of my life at Orange County Drum, sanding shells only, the insides of shells, back and forth, three different grits, spin it, keep going inhaling that sawdust and i made seven and a quarter an hour wow <laughs> yeah, dude. i absolutely loved it um yeah and from there you know it was one of those things it's just you see the progression of everything happening and you just want to be involved so i stuck my nose in everybody's job to figure out what the hell they were doing and there you go that, that yeah that's that, awesome that's what started it for me you know? I will say that I worked at Guitar Center as well in the drum department, and it was in Kentucky, though. I'm in Cincinnati, okay. so Kentucky's sure. really close. All right. All right. Everyone on three, your employee number, dude. Zero one nine five seven four. I still got Zero, it. No memory of it. I, Zero I remember typing to the eight. green screen computer. <laughs> Zero one three five seven. Yeah, man. So we all we all have that in common. We all worked at Guitar yeah. Center. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. 
I remember I called a Columbus store trying to get like a price, or like a discount on something after I quit. And they were like, well, what's this store number? And I said, uh, 614. And they were like, that's the area code in Columbus. And I like, I like hung up. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> panic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, panic mode. Yeah, um, yeah. That's great. Yeah, man. That's what, that's what I would do. All right, Max, tell us about your experience joining up with Orange County and uh, what that was like for you. So sim- similar trajectory, similar path. I was a drummer. I played drums. I, uh, I right out of high school, I got a job. I was like, oh, you know, I want to be like in the music industry. Um, not necessarily like as a face person, but just I want to be a part of like the big machine, you know. So I got a job at Guitar Center. And uh, similarly, dude, it was garbage. Like no offense to them, you know, but it was just like there was no direction. It was aimless. It was very corporate. And uh, it was the first and only job I ever got fired from. Uh, I 100% self-sabotaged myself, just slept through an alarm like three days in a row, you know, and they let me go. And I was, oh shit. It was great. Cause it was like a rude awakening, you know, like I'd never gotten fired from a job before, but after that, I was like, well, what do you want to do? You know, I was like, I it was not good enough to like try to be, well, I'm going to be a career drummer, you know? But I was always working with my hands. I was always like tinkering and like building things. So I was like, well, obviously it was like logically. I was like, oh, I want to build drums. Uh, what's around me at the time? It was like DW or this co- company, Orange County Drum. And I knew of Orange County Drum peripherally. I knew them because there were like bands that I had listened to at the time, you know, like Limp Bizkit and stuff that like played Orange County and I knew who they were and Deftones and stuff like that. And obviously uh, all the other big bands like, 311 and stuff um but i wasn't I, I wasn't like a super fanboy but i knew that they were dope and i knew that they were local and i was like well perfect like that's right up my alley i went and checked out their website i think at the time and then like just did a little bit of homework and i was like this company's like really cool uh and so i went and applied um gave the usual kind of you know like spiel i was like hey like i really want to work here like genuinely it was with john my interview was with john i don't remember much about like my walk-in or anything but my interview was with John and I gave the whole, you know, like I'll start sweeping the floors. I'll do whatever you want to do, whatever. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. And then he was like, dude, yeah, cool. You could start. I believe I started, I think at eight bucks an hour, maybe, maybe oh, eight bucks oh, an hour. Upgrade. Oh. Maybe like I, I might be embellishing Now you this. find out. Yeah, yeah. This might be, this might be my ego talking, but <laughs> I was, you know, and I got the job and I was like, oh, this is gonna be so cool. Like I'm gonna be a drum builder. And then, you know, first day of work, show up, <laughs> wet behind the ears, excited and uh, very similar to Jeremy. And I, I really appreciated this about the shop back in the day. And then I, it is, it's still something that even in like my current line of work that like I still implement is it's like building your way up through the ranks, not just yep. like feeling a necessity. So for, for example, at Orange County, like my first job was polishing. We used to polish the badge screws. There were four oh badge God, screws I per badge and you would have that. to polish them with rouge and then buff them out on a wheel. And like, dude, first job, I go, Jeremy showed me, runs me through. It's like in the back of the shop and every once in a while, a badge would like catch on the buffing wheel and just Ching. like, dude, projectile <laughs> just like across the room. And uh, dude, and then it was just like, nobody, th- there was no real sense of direction. So it was like, Jeremy's like, oh yeah, 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 do this. And then he went off and did whatever he had to do. And fast forward like two hours later and he's just like, dude, you're, you're still polishing those? You know, my fingers are like black. My, <laughs> yeah. my, my finger, the tips of my fingernails were glistening. They were so shiny, you know, and oh, then yeah. my skin was black, but <laughs> And then, yeah, it was, it was like, okay, cool. Well, let's get you standing shells and stuff like that. And then 
you know, it was, it was very gratifying. And then it just kind of went from there, you know, yeah. and then building the relationships yeah. and stuff. That's hilarious. I totally forgot about the polishing of the screws. Yeah. At some point, somebody got the bright idea to polish the washer, the seal washers. Yeah. Remember uh, that shit? Yeah. It was oh. a guy who, yeah. Um, Whose idea was that, bro? Not me. Not me. <laughs> Come on. Yours. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, I won't throw no. you under that bus. No. It wasn't yours. No, I, no, do no, remember, no, no. I do remember whose it was, but it wasn't yours. I apologize. My apologies, yeah. dude. I'm sorry. But I mean, that's yeah. attention to detail that like, yeah, it's monotonous. Dude, no, and, no, 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 no. But that's, that's what Orange County. That, that's, yeah. that's Attention to that detail is, is having all your drums the same color. That's insanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. overboard. But it, it, man, was, the, it was fun. Are you guys surprised of the huge cult following nowadays or does it make perfect sense to you? I, I definitely am. I, I, it slipped under the radar for me. I mean, you know, I, I love that place to death. I, uh, it was devastating to me when it closed down and there's, there's a bunch of stuff that I, I, I'm not, I can't talk about that happened towards the end that made it really hard. But uh, I will say that uh, that was some of the best times of my life, hands down. The, the camaraderie of the crew, even though we had some outliers that, you know, eventually got canned or whatever or left, um, there was always, there was, it was always fun, even though there was stress. And I think the two people that got the most stress was Max and myself, because we were the direct contact with Daniel. And when Daniel needed something, he needed it yesterday and he needed it done to the utmost perfection. And if anybody will sniff out a flaw, it's that man. He, right. he, it's uncanny. You have, I, and immediately, divot. It, yeah, immediate, and immediately. First like thing before he seeing sees the like, other side. Oh, and you're just like, I worked so hard on that. How did you Saw see that? Huh? that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, but but he really made us like so nervous to build for him that it made us that much better. And yeah. and again, yeah. it was Max right. and I because we were the two that at the point that he could trust us to build all this stuff, we were the ones that held all the keys to every aspect of building. And that was that That's, that yeah. That trust and that faith in from him was huge. I think for me it was. I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. speak for Max, but it was huge. It was huge, and it it definitely resonated and left its mark on me. So yeah, well, you, you Daniel know. was always definitely the one you wanted. You wanted that celebration from. You wanted Daniel yeah. to, yeah, not in a groveling sense, like, but you wanted his his uh, his merit. You wanted his like, dude, good job, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, dude. Good job. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I did it. Yeah, because Dude, because hey, for that reason, like his bar was so high, and the and and he Daniel also too. I don't know if, if he gets enough credit for like being innovative and too. And so John too, dude. Yeah. Like give, those cool. guys, those guys would oftentimes throw out ideas and whatever, and they were fantastic. And then we would run with them. We would be allowed to run with them and make them b- bigger or better or yeah. worse. But yep. they had some great ideas, man, that just would shoot off the cuff. And then they were always super cool with just being like, hey, dude, dude like, especially with, that was kind of like the best part when Daniel would say something, you knew, like when he's like, hey, what if it's like, it's going to happen? Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a green light. It's a green light. Hey, yeah. make this happen. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's fine if it costs money. Make it happen. Yeah. And that was yeah, always later like, on, John, fun. Yeah, later on, John wasn't so fond of that part right. because it was right. always like, because Max and I would push 
so hard on certain yeah. things. And John's just like, dude, really? Daniel yeah. said it was okay. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like a personality type and like everyone's had a job where like their boss is like, they ride you. But when you get that little bit of like, like appreciation, it, you will like it more because yeah. they were kind of riding you so hard. Interesting thing about Orange County is like, I never felt a timeline pressure ever. Like ever, ever, ever. What? And uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny. Like even even my time at Q, like you know, I spent six years at Q, and something that I quietly pride myself on is like, dude, we never missed a deadline, not once, not once, that I can think of. We ever missed a deadline, or at least I never missed it, a it, deadline. Oh, you know, like I, I, I most definitely have. I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but like, uh, and even then, like I. I, I it's a different pressure now. Like now I do, uh, you know, I, I, I do different job and like, I feel the pressure of like, Oh, I got to get this done in time. And like, I, like I had to become 40 to like feel that pressure. Like at, at, at Orange County, it was always the, for me, at least it was the pressure of like, have your peers approve of what you're doing and not yeah. in, not in a sense where I needed their approval is in a, to feel self validated or anything, but it was like, hell yeah. Like, I knew this was cool. And so do yeah. you like, you know, type thing. And then also to, to make Daniel and John happy. Like when they were stoked, it was like, did my job. This feels cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's a certain way to get stuff done. I mean, it, Orange County seems like a boot camp kind of like where you guys like got, you worked hard, but it trained you to be master drum builders. I mean, really you guys learned a lot. You got heavy duty, real deal experience there. There was a, one of the cool things about it is that there were so many different stations and there was only a handful of guys. You, if you showed, if you, if you, if you showed that you had what it takes to move on to another, uh, another step, then we would show you how to do that or they would show us how to do yeah. that. And if you hmm. didn't show the aptitude for it, you you were stuck. You were just standing shells, my man. You were just standing shells, or you were cutting out, cutting vent holes and sanding vent holes. As I know Corey mentioned the vent holes and stuff. And you know what's funny is when I started, vent holes were shaped. By the yeah. end of it, vent holes weren't shaped anymore. And hmm. when I say shaped, hand filed so they had a curvature, not a flat hole. You know. Um, and it really took skill of hand tools to really figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, that if you didn't have that, you didn't, you didn't excel at snare bedding. You didn't move on to the other stuff yeah. of like cleaning seams and doing all this stuff. And, you know, there's only, there's only a handful of people that really like understood each and every aspect. And what would happen is you would be stuck on that job for six months to a year. I built I built shells every day for what six seven months at one time. It, all the twenty yeah. ply, thirty ply, forty ply, fifty ply. You were all in the that hollow corner. body shells. I was in that. I had my station. Yeah, yeah. that was my station. I had my disc man, my headphones, and I <laughs> yeah. just and I had my little press, and I just that's all I did. Yeah. Seventy shells in one day was my record. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. That was when we were doing pad. Yeah, but yeah. but like he's got the thumbs to show it, dude. <laughs> yeah, that those are th those are oh, shell building, those are shell building thumbs, dude. <laughs> Max did it. Max did it on the wrapping station, which yeah. also was the staining station. 
yeah. which is also the spraying station. All those were combined. Um, the edging, really only Max, myself, and John edged. Yeah, yeah it, for it, the most it, part. It, well, there's also the fact that like edging was dangerous, so there was there had to be a a, a want to do it, right? Like yeah. when you edged yeah. the twenty ply, it was it, it was different than like ever using like a router table or anything. But when you did like a forty ply, dude, it was sketch. When you, when like one hundred. When you heard that big thump on the wall, yeah. When you hear that, you know, there's like there's a rhythm. We had a router room, and there was a rhythm, and you would hear meow, 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 and then you'd hear what boom. And everybody <laughs> froze because they knew what that meant. Dude, that meant the router threw that drum across the room and ripped it out of your hands. Jeez. And, dude, it was terrifying. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, you had to want to be like, all right, dude, I'll tame this beast, you know, or whatever. But yeah. And then you just kind of. Cool, there's like, yeah, there's like, yeah. there's levels you achieve, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There, well, and then, there was and definitely some competition, too, between Max yeah, who and could, who could throw a who could router throw a snare drum the furthest? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was like a big part of it really was like you had to show want to do it for one, and then yeah. two like we did teach a lot of people. We would run them through courses and like we we all of our snare beds at Orange County were like hand filed, and and to this day like to this day I can spot my snare beds from Jeremy's snare beds without question, like 100%. a signature. Hmm. You know, like yeah. the profile of the snare bed is the same. But there's like a touch and then there's a way that each of us do them that's different. Much like how, you know, a mason cuts a stone or something like you could see the chisel marks and it's very similar in, in a snare bed. And so we would, we would teach people how to do a snare bed. And it's, it's weird. It's like the first one always goes actually pretty well because like you're being hovered yeah. and like you're very attentive. But then it all just degrades. And then it's like how fast wow. can you recover from that degradation? <laughs> and, oh my God. you know, and we would try and like, hey, man, you, you would have an opportunity and then if you showed repeatedly that like, dude, you're just not grasping the task, then unfortunately it was like, we would very nicely ask you to go do something else, you yeah. know? Yeah. And we would, we would do it on scraps first, of course. Yeah. We wouldn't do it on, but yeah. uh, one of my favorites uh, in that story would be our, our buddy, Dave Good. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> dude, I mean, that, love you, Dave. The sweetest Dave, human I've ever met. Dave is one of the most incredible drummers I've ever seen play in my life. And uh, he ended up just becoming like the whole guy. He was the vent guy. Yeah. He did all the vents. But at one point, he was like, he was out of me. He's like, I really want to learn how to snare better. Okay. So I taught him first. I think Max taught him again. But in that time frame, one of my favorite things is like, I showed him how to do it and he was doing it. And I'm like, cool. Okay. I'm going to go over here and do my job. You practice the second, the second bed. I come back and... We, the way our snare beds are, they're flat with a couple little ramps, you know, helps accommodate 42 strand all the way down to 10 strand. And mm -hmm. it makes it easier to control the uh, tuning of the bottom head to um, dampen or, or make a little more sizzly the yeah. snare wires by adjusting the tension on the head. It's, kind of, it's a cool thing. Daniel taught me yeah. how to do it. It's and huge, I've dude. used it. I've used it ever since. And I will never change my snare bed because of that. And when I when I tune drums, it's so easy just to just a little half nudge loose will just dampen that snare wire so well so that it's yeah. perfect, right? Our, our snare beds so, are secret weapons, dude. They are. They're, they're, awesome. they're, they're secret just, weapons. They're, they're just awesome. So cutting those ramps 
is really like first you cut the front the flatness then you cut the ramps and while you're filing it you're making it nice and smooth but what he did is he started he's like i don't like it so he kept trailing it off and so the ramp ended up being like this long around the drum on one side on the other side it was only this big which is what it should be yeah and and he's like i don't know what happened i think i just got carried away (laughs) dude so, so the biggest the biggest problem is like you would always have your dominant side because if you were right-handed or left-handed if you're right-handed typically the right side so imagine if you will like a driveway curb you know that's pretty yeah, much yeah, yeah. very that, similar to the profile of our, of our so when you're when you're when you're filing the right side you're very comfortable you're in your element but when you go to the left side your vision's a little obscured sure. and then you end up this cycle where you're in essence chasing your tail where you're like yeah. oh i went a little too far so you go back and you do the right side they try to match the left side, and then you go yeah, back and, and then the you're left spreading side. more and more and more, dude. And it it, yeah. it very rapidly goes uh, can fall apart, and then yeah, you basically <laughs> have a snare drum size snare bed. You know, yeah. yeah. Do you re-edge the drum at that point? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Well, that it's, makes it's, sense. It, it, I mean, it, it, you got to learn. Well, every, Max and it, I have probably done thousands of snare drums a piece. Everyone, yeah, everyone. First off, has been there. At least that in our field that would do the snare beds by hand, everyone has, you know, just massacred their own snare beds. But then that's also how you get super, super, super good is like recovery and acknowledging yeah. and knowing how to get ahead of it. Yeah. Well, that, that was our motto. It's like, it's yeah. like, how, how do you fix your mistakes? That was, yeah. that's just, that was custom building 101 for us in the beginning because it, there were no there were no books there were no schools there was nothing that we had to learn from other than well let's just see if this works and if we mess it up how do we fix it yeah yeah. yeah there was fix, no training manual no and the fixing part you actually learn new techniques by fixing a problem for sure sure you know? for sure yeah so uh, I think people also like to hear the stories about like like obviously the building, but like the roster of artists was pretty wild oh, with Orange yeah. County. I mean, yeah, yeah, was. and Jeremy, were you artist relations manager at Orange County? Is that correct? Uh, there's no such thing. There was no right. such okay. thing. There, there right. was I read no, it on Modern Drummer or something like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a phrase that someone gave me when I, I was doing some sort of interview with them and. Uh, that is not 100% correct. I dealt with a lot of artists, though. And I okay. did cater to them, as did Max, as did, sure. jo- as did Josh, as did yeah. Daniel. That we, we were like the four people that dealt with the artists. And the cool thing is, is like the ones that I dealt with personally, they would call me. This is what I'm looking for. This is the sound I want to get, blah, 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 blah. How can I, how, what can you do to help me get this? And that's where I kind of learned the idea of like, don't be afraid to tell somebody what they want is bullshit. Hmm. Because interesting. You, you, well, you, what happens is you get somebody that wants a specific sound. They play a certain way and what they, what they want in their mind is not going to be the best for the way they play to get that sound. Yeah. We know we know how to get that sound. So I'm always going to recommend something that may not be what you want, but at the end of the day, I can guarantee yeah. when you close your eyes, that is what you want. 
Uh, I know it's what you need, my man. Oh, 100%. You know, you know? 100%. So, 100%. And then, yeah, and that, yeah. Was, that was really beautiful, though, was like in developing those relationships is like you could yeah. suggest things and then people would very aptly be like, yeah, okay. Like, I trust you. I, you know, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're handing them a guitar or something that's completely not a drum. It's still a drum. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, if somebody, like, I, I would always ask people, like, how do you want, uh, how do you want to feel? Because like drums are really about how you feel, right? It's yeah. not like you can sit behind the world's most expensive drum set, and eventually, like that excitement of like it's still you know of it being this expensive object is going to fade, and it's going to be a drum, and then you're going to like play yeah. it, whatever. Or you can go to your cousin's house, and he's got this like CB custom warped just pile in his basement. And then you have like the sickest like funk jam session you've ever played because it feels great. So it always asks people yeah. like, hey, how do you want your drums to make you feel? Because that's really genuinely what it's about. And then yeah. a lot of the times like the aesthetic vision of like your drum isn't necessarily going to match how you want your drums to feel, you know? And then that's, yes. where you, that's where you get somebody into what they actually need and not what they think that they want, but that'll get old in a month. You know, you, you just like, hey, like, look, we built thousands of drums. I know what's cool. I know what's not cool. I know this, like, new thing is exciting. But, like, dude, trust yeah. me. Like, yeah. this is our staple. This is the bread and butter. Yeah. Go flat black. I mean, I mean uh, uh, or flat black, yeah. I mean, a perfect, <laughs> a, a perfect example for me recently of that is, you know, I've been working with Dom Howard from Muse for the past seven years. And when we started, his whole idea was wood. And like I listen to the music and I'm like, mm, you know, wood the wood sounds great, but man, metal metal is going to really accentuate the sounds that you you want to produce, you know? And it took literally like we built him a copper kit a while back. He loved it. But uh most recently we built him a uh a galvanized kit, which is what I had been pushing since day one. Yeah. To me, galvanized steel is the end all be all for Q specifically and you mm. know yeah and when and he, finally he's like i guess i have everything else so let me let me try one blew his mind i mean he's <laughs> i talked i talked to him recently he's like all i want is that metal kit is that galvanized steel that's all i want to play and, wow. and it's because i i felt that that was the sound i felt that that was the feel it just sometimes it takes a while and some people are a little more um hesitant to go with our ideas our recommendations because you know what you're the artist you know you want what you want and if that's what you want we will accommodate you to a point i don't mean that in a in a like everything everybody wants is stupid and only what we make is good i don't mean that in any any way shape or form what i mean is like if you if you have in your head what you think you need again and it's not what it, it's not going to sound the way you want it to and i can't persuade you to alter or, or have us come in the middle somehow, I'm not the person to be building the drum kit. At the end of the day, you're going to get that drum kit. You're going to sit behind it. You're going to play it. You're not going to be 100% satisfied, and you're going to go around and tell your friends, this kit sucks. Yes, it's not totally. what I wanted. Totally. But it is what you wanted. I built you what you wanted. You just don't like the way it sounds, and you didn't take my recommendations. It takes guts to say to some of the biggest drummers in the world, like, that's not what you want. But I think sometimes people get said yes to so much in that position that it's nice to have a little bit of a pushback. And like, 
I can trust these guys because they're actually being honest with me and they know what I want. And they're not just like, you know, patting you on the bottom and saying, here's what you want. Here it is. It's just yeah. like, no, you, yeah, this it, is what you, this is what's best for you. It also doesn't hurt though that, you know, like if somebody really like the difference between metal types, for example, they each sonically have like a very different characteristic, like tonally yeah. feel everything. Like some just crush in the studio you know, others are just like jack of all trades. And it's like, you can't just talk somebody out of wanting something and say because. So it's like, when you know what you're talking about and you can nail somebody down with all the reasons, here's this thing, here's that thing. And sometimes it's not always sonically. Sometimes it's like, yeah. dude, this is a nightmare to keep clean. A nightmare to keep clean. Yeah. Yeah. Or it stains. <laughs> and people are like, oh, I never thought about that. You know, it's like sure. weird little things like that. But so... Yeah. Again, with experience, you know, and trust, and then people and, are. And, and we're, yeah, and we're never like, you don't want that. We're never yeah. so direct. Arrogant. That it's it's, yeah. it's arrogant because, <laughs> you don't because want what's it. the point? What's the point? You know, it, but Come it is. But it is. It's definitely a suggestion, <laughs> and sometimes you have to push that suggestion just a little bit harder than you normally would. The other thing is, is that the people that we deal with most of the time they they come to us because they want our expertise so they're more willing to listen um but we also talk direct we don't have like a salesperson talking to them it's us and yeah that this is where this is where the whole like dealer network thing kind of comes into play we have very specific dealers and the dealers that we work with are very drum centric they're very knowledgeable about drums they understand drums they understand our drums so i feel confident that when they get a customer in and they're like i want a 22 by 22 copper bass drum they're going to say that's not what they're going to do i feel confident in them you know if we went to like if we started selling through guitar center they would just send us a po we'd have to make it you know what i mean yeah luckily we have like these mom and pop shops that are so good and so understanding of what we do that they do help the process um and also if the client isn't sure call us so yeah. you know yeah. i'm happy yeah. i i talk to people all day long I'll, I'll spend an hour and a half on a phone call going through all the differences of the different metals the different woods different sizes and how they react and all that stuff and finally i usually get guys that are like okay i have too much information i don't know what to do with it <laughs> so you know. just build me the drums i mean yeah what yeah. you're saying is like but really in the end the, the like uh customer facing part of it is super positive it's not like well, yeah uh, anything yeah, negative yeah. it's very happy and just like yeah we're gonna make you an awesome drum set you know that's the end yeah. result that's that you're gonna goal. like better yeah this episode is brought to you by sweetwater i just got a pair of sennheiser hd 650 open back headphones and these things are awesome the hd 650s are hi-fi headphones which are great for mixing new editing and just really listening back to music is a really great experience in these um, I do editing for hours on end, uh, working on drum history, but also other stuff for work. And I'm usually always wearing headphones, and these are so much more comfortable. And it kind of feels like a little speaker next to your head that has a very kind of clean and natural sound as opposed to um, other traditional closed back headphones, which are just kind of pushed up against your ear and very tight and aren't great for long uh, runs wearing headphones. These are extremely lightweight headphones and very high quality on the build. 
And one thing I love is that they come with a 10-foot-long detachable cable, which is always great for drummers because you always need a longer cable. So uh, very cool. I highly recommend these. Check out the Sennheiser HD 650 headphones by following the link in the description, and you'll find the Drum History gear page on Sweetwater where you can find the HD 650s and a bunch of other cool gear. So thanks to Sweetwater for sponsoring this episode. So kind of moving towards getting into like Q and talking about Q, um, just to touch on some other stuff real quick, because Jeremy, I know more about you from reading online. Max, as we said before, you're kind of a man of mystery on the (laughs) internet as, uh, (laughs) as we discussed. But so Jeremy, I know you did some tech work and I think I got this off your LinkedIn, which is the first time I've used LinkedIn as a resource for the podcast, but Queens of the Stone Age, Gwen Stefani, Nine Inch Nails, Katy Perry, Nora Jones, Muse, I'm, there's probably some others in there uh, working as a drum tech. Slipknot. Yeah, it's an impressive that's roster, awesome. dude. Yeah, yeah, that's there's incredible. More. There's more in there, but you know. I'll, yeah. Well, those I'll, are I'll, those are those those, those are my, those are my highlights. I'll take those. Yeah, those are pretty awesome. But so the story I saw online is that you were working with Adam Marcello of Katy Perry in 2010, and like I think it said you built a backup kit for him instead yeah. of ordering new drums, and then from his primary builder and then um that backup kit ended up being the main kit and that what i read on i think sure's website which had an article there about you was uh was that the birth of q pretty much that was the birth of q 100 percent. it was all adam's fault (laughs) he knows he's to blame we blame him all the time anything that goes wrong is adam's fault um yeah you know (laughs) it, it was a weird thing the company he was endorsing before built him this uh acrylic kit that was frosted with led lights in it and the way they had wired the lights was they use uh i don't know if you're familiar with romex 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 is is a hard uh, a solid copper cable that you use in the walls of your house for electricity (laughs) you can find it at your local home depot they used romex to run cables from the lights out of the drum and then they used trailer hitch adapters <laughs> as the connectors and then they took they took the excess of it and they put all the wire ties on it and then they wrapped it in e-tape so it made this giant e-tape phallic thing and then that went to <laughs> That went to the light box. And I'm like, wow, I can't, I can't tour like this. I can't go and set up. I mean, number one, if any water gets on that, I mean, you're talking serious issues. So I had to, I, I had to rip out all the lighting, rip out all of that crap, put new lighting in, put four pin XLR jacks, wire it to the four pin, have everything nice and clean. So where I can just click off a cable and and that's done. That's it. Clean. And uh, Adam comes to me. He's like, "Hey, man, I had literally just done this. Right? It took me three days because I'd never dealt with this before. Usually, when we did stuff at Orange County Drum, it was a it was a cable with a plug in it. We never did LED. Well, we did some LED stuff later. We did yeah. some yeah, we did some weird stuff using like rope light. But yeah. um, but with Adam, this was a this was a new thing for me. So I fi- I figured out how to do this. He comes to me as I finish, and I'm like, this sucks. Cool. I'm having them build me another kit, and then you can do the same thing to that kit. I was like, how about this? Let me just build you the kit from ground up 
And then I could just have this already done so I don't have to pull that stuff out and put new stuff in. I don't want to do things twice. So we we talked about what he wanted. He said, I want those Slingerland, you know, clamshell knockoffs. I'm like, cool. And I built him the kit and it sounded amazing and it looked awesome and everything was clean and tidy. And uh, he just he just loved it so much. He's like, okay, cool. You should start your own company. And uh, I was just like, nah, not interested. After the whole thing with Guitar Center and, and OCDP, especially at the end of it, I just didn't really have it in me to build drums. I actually, when I got my shop in San Pedro, it had an apartment above, so I lived above my shop. I wanted to make furniture and I wanted to fix my truck that got smashed. You know, and that was about it. That was about it. And then built, I built the kit anyway. And at some point I was in London, Orange County Drum had all their tooling and stuff in a storage unit where we were actually still building drums out of here and there. Max, you remember that spot. And, uh, and when I had left on tour, there was, there was nobody to help out. At Orange County Drum. So they they locked the door. They John stopped paying the bill. And I had my rehearsal studio in the same storage unit. So I knew the manager, and she's she's a Brit. She called me while I was in London. Jeremy, what's going on with with John? He's, he hasn't paid me. He, he owes me four or five months worth of rent. And I'm like, listen, I know you, you're about to auction off the stuff. Don't do anything until I come home. I'm going to send you the money for all those months right now. And so I paid for it out of my pocket. Wow. And the day I landed, I went straight from the airport with my buddy, Matt Mitchell, to a U-Haul, picked up a U-Haul, went straight down there, grabbed everything that I could fit in the U-Haul that I could use, left the rest of the shit, took it back to my shop. And then I all of a sudden, I found myself with drum building tools. And I'm like, oh, man. And that's that was wow. the beginning. Man, I mean, all right, so I know someone online is going to say, if I don't ask, they're going to say, why didn't you ask this? What was in that storage unit? What kind of stuff did you pull out? I mean, was it everything? Was it routers? Was it gold what bricks. was in there? <laughs> gold bricks. Gold bricks, yeah. man. Yeah. There's, some, there's, some awesome. very, there's some very unique tooling that we have that was built by John Machado's brother, Joe, who's a freak of nature. He, he, yeah. he, he basically... His job is making, uh, he's, he's a machinist, but he's also an engineer. Um, and he made a drilling machine. He made uh, what we call our drum lathe, which is, which is a, a horizontal uh, a claw that op- it basically just opens up to hold the drum and it'll rotate in different ways. Yeah. And it, it is the mo- huh. one of the most essential tools. Invaluable. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, For yeah. us. I mean, yeah. So some proprietary like stuff that's not off the shelf drum building stuff. No, I mean, some hand, serious handmade, handmade. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The, these tools wow. were legitimately handmade. Like, dude, Joe, Joe is an awesome. impressive savant. Like, yeah, yeah. Wow. Man, can't spe- can't and, spell to save his life, but he can definitely build a machine. Yeah. You don't need to. You don't need to spell when you're cool. <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. But man, I mean, that stuff could have ended up on like storage wars or some like, you know what I mean? That, like one of those well, that, TV that's, shows. That's, that's what I was worried about. That's yeah. that's the yeah. main thing I was worried about. And like, you know, that's that's history right there. And it's something that Joe put. Uh, Joe's a dear friend of mine. Same with Max. And like, he put his heart into that. And the last thing he wanted was for those tools to go. 
So yeah. I took him. You know, I took him to my shop. And uh, awesome. And I so you know after talking with Adam for a while, came up with a name and one ten customs. Whoa! Podcast, podcast over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the first iteration of the name for. Uh, that was a preliminary name. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was it. One ten customs. Okay, that it, was like first on the list. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. an inside joke. It never really made it anywhere. Sure, it but, is. Yeah. yeah, but it reminds me of like battlefield and like all these other names that are just like so namey. I don't know. It's just yeah. it's too it's too much. It's too yeah. much for me. And Q kind of settled in because I was like, oh, quality drums, but quality drums sound like your, you know, $250 import with cymbals and hardware. And so I was like, you know what, screw it. Let's just drop it all. Q, call it a day. So Q comes from quality and that's, that's where it's at. I think that's awesome. And I, I agree with, I mean, Q is perfect, but yeah, the quality, quality drums, you do get that like Japanese kind of like, you know, here's an American word that sounds good. Yeah. That kind of thing. yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Q is awesome, man. And it, it looks cool, which I think Thank that's you. a big part of it visually. It's like you have to have a logo that looks a name. That I mean, works a, with a, logo a couple years ago, it, it didn't work in our favor. Uh, well, yeah, you, I mean, you are a QAnon brand, yeah. but uh. yeah, the amount of times, you know, it's funny. We would go with like our artists were so awesome and, and, and most of them stuck with the Q, even though they were getting so much shit from their yeah. fans. Or you Man. read it in the comments. I can't listen to this band anymore because they're Q affiliated. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. you're clearly an idiot. You know, yeah. I didn't and, think of that. Oh, oh, it, was, it was so heavy that to the, to that point we started letting our artists know yo you don't have any obligation to us to rock the queue we don't give free drums every artist pays for their drums so therefore you can do what you want if you love the drums you're going to play them you're going to talk about them and people are going to know that you don't need a logo on there to make people know what you're playing no, I mean, your drums in particular, cue drums are pretty recognizable, which, of course, we'll talk about, you know, the makeup and how you can just spot it from a mile away. But that's cool. And it's good to know that everyone buys their drums, because uh, I think that's pretty common in in drum building where no one's really unless you're a huge, huge mega drummer. No one's really handing out free drum sets that much um, you'd be that surprised. I, as far as I can tell. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you guys would know better than me. You'd be surprised. I mean, we, we number one, we just don't have the uh, infrastructure. We don't have the financial backing to be able to do that. Also, I mean, it's just it would it would have buried us from the get go. And the thing is, is that when you pay for something with your own money, you appreciate it more than if it was given to you. And and I feel like to me, our artists appreciate what they have because they did have to spend money on it, and. We have lost very, very few artists. As a matter of fact, we've given maybe a couple of kits away, and those are the artists that we lost. And, and to wow. me, and to me, it just it was proof positive. And it wasn't even giving them away to give them away. It was more like, hey, check this out, use it, and then you know, it just kind of fell through the cracks because I'm yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm easy. Yeah, if you don't have yeah, any skin, in, sure. if you don't have any skin in the game, you know, yeah. I'd like to get to the point where I can give people free stuff and not care whether they left or stayed. But again, I want people to love what they have, not just be like, Oh, those are my tools. You know? Yeah. I want yeah. that to be I mean, these are your, your favorite tool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Max, let's jump over to you and talk a little bit more about when when you came on board and yeah. um and just got involved and and what that was like kind of I mean you guys have like I think like all the OCDP builders where like you guys have like a bond that's like Oh, for sure, dude. Only a handful of you guys have, but what was that like? For sure. Well, I mean, uh, to speak to like Orange County, yeah, like definitely uh, when you had Corey on, he one thing I, I, I takeaway was like he's like, yeah, that is a moment in time that we you did we did share with a handful of people, and I don't think at the time like personally I didn't realize like it's grandeur. Not even to say that it was grand, but just like I, you know, it was hard to separate the forest from the trees. It was just like I was living my life. Yes. I was working at a drum shop. I was doing my thing, and it's like, oh yeah, it was like this moment in history that like now as I get older and I realize I'm like, oh, it did mean something, and it was really cool, and it was really cool to be a part of. And he's right, we do share that together. Jeremy and I, however, I feel like we have this different bond. Like one, we have these weird, like shadowed parallels. We have these weird parallels yeah. where it's like, dude, we used to BMX at the same spots. We went to the same yeah. high school, didn't know each other. Yeah. We both worked at Guitar Center. You know, like a lot of these like weird little interesting things, like even mutual people that we knew. And uh, and still to this day, it's like there's always like some circulating circulating connection somehow, you know, and all that aside. And then there's the side that like we speak a language that w- one another understands when it comes to drums, you know, and into drum building and to, in essence, to problem solving. Like we understand and frankly, we enjoy the act of problem solving. You know, here's a problem. Let's like get to the bottom of it. How do we do it? Here's how I want to do it. Here's how you want to do it. Here's how it yep. needs to be done. You know, meet yep, in the middle. Totally. And then through that, like, yeah, you develop like obviously like a kin. Like I'm eternally grateful to Jeremy, dude. One being like still to this day like my biggest supporter. It's ridiculous. Like I don't get it. But you know, <laughs> he like employed me for six years. Which in that six years, you know, I purchased a house off of those eight dollars an hour, eight fifty. You know, that was great. Wait, well, oh, come uh, on, come impressive. on. I'm, I'm come kidding. On. I'm kidding. No, 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 no. I, I paid you. Eight, I, I at least paid you eight twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> after my ninety day yeah. probation. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it was like legitimately, I'm eternally grateful. And 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 the day that I left Q, I said this, and it was weird because it was like when I left Q, oh, it kind of like off. happened quickly. It was something that came up, and dude, I day. fell apart, dude. Like fell apart. Like it was weird. It was like all of a sudden I couldn't even talk. And I was like, oh, even now it's like coming back to me, you know, but sure. yeah, it's like, dude, you got me. I was like, I was like you for six years. I bought a house. I had two kids. I got married. We went through a pandemic. Dude, that supersedes like everything I had done before, you know, in my life, like that. I was just like coasting along and I was like, whoa, this is like really different. That's love and, right there. Yeah. And like, we talked to each other every day. Like I didn't even realize it at the time, but I mean, we literally talked to each other every day. Even if it was about yeah. work, it was it was never from a place of just like just business, you know? Yeah. And like it wasn't this like fairy tale relationship either, where like him and I no. were like always like th- the biggest fans of each other. But like it was how you love a brother. And I mean that to the fullest. Totally. Where it's like kn- even yeah. in that moment when you want to stab that dude in the face, it's like <laughs> somebody comes around that corner. I deserve I always deserve it. Too. Yeah. Somebody comes around that corner, bad fit <laughs> bad, you know harms him in some way dude you'll rip your own arm off to like hurt that person like it's yeah the, i mean it dude it's like it's a genuine like love dude when i say like how i love my brother and it's like yeah we've developed it through sports and mountain biking and spending time together and just like yeah man so it's like that was like probably like the best part about being a q was like absolutely 
you know. Love this, you. I love you, my man. You know that. Yeah, right? I'll, dude, I love you too, man. You know. That's incredible. Mm. Yeah. Buffy, so you know when he's texting you saying, dude, can you finish buffing those screws? He comes from a place of love. <laughs> yeah, still, I'm still waiting to be relieved from my screw buffing duties, yeah. dude. I'm still. Like, dude, I have no hey, fingerprints. My, Please let me stop. At my core, I'm still a 20, 20 year old <laughs> buffing bad screws waiting to be relieved. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, but man, yeah, I mean, it's poetry. Like, yeah, I feel it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I legitimately feel fortunate to have like, uh, oh man. You know, yeah. Yeah. We'll stop. That's incredible. No, you guys have a special... Uh, how many employees were at Q? I mean, really? Because obviously you guys have a special background and relationship, but what was... I mean, how well, many people is, were there? You, you're going to laugh at this, and yeah. uh, I've, I'm sorry, everybody who thinks Q is massive. Um, it was me and Max <laughs> 85% of the time. Yeah. But it was Max, it was Max 85% of the time because my dumbass decided to keep two of them um and it was a, we have a handful of guys that i gotta give tons of love to Dude. uh ed ed davis the, the gravy, number one call, call it colin yeah. strom gravy dude i mean fuck literally he, one of a kind he it, yeah everybody that's been a part of q is 100 one of a kind roger co obviously mm-hmm. alon tommy Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we've had, we've had a couple other people come in, like Dylan. Um, uh, we had some of our friends. Aaron Steele came in to help out one time. Yeah. Um, Nick Nick Sir, the sweatiest elbow in the in the West <laughs> in the business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man, just but, uh, what uh, title? No one wants. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> well, we have this. We have this thing where you know we brush the insides of our copper shells after we've done. After they're built, we do this really nice finished brush. And 16-inch floor toms are the bane of everybody's existence in yeah. that polishing. And when we'd have guys that just wanted to come in and help out and see what it was like to build, this this is the job that we would give them. And so you reach down inside and you go on, you know, horizontally because you don't want to lay the drum down and scratch the finish. He would take his sweaty elbow and bump the side not knowing that that sweat gets into that freshly opened copper and oh, just starts yeah. to patina. It makes it, even, <laughs> like, oh. makes it even harder wow. to clean. Like, Jeez. natural, dirty patina is okay to clean, whatever, but like sweat-induced, like acid patina. <laughs> especially elbow sweat. Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's like, especially like you're working on a drum and you're sweating and sweat naturally falls. And like, dude, you get a drop yep. of sweat and you like immediately panic clean it up because you don't want it to stay in the inside of the drum also yeah yeah, 16s are perfect length for the average elbow to wrist so when you're in there you're just weep 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 your your elbow shining your elbow shining the catty corner yeah we've tried to come up with better methods and we've gotten some that helps but it's still it's still the most tedious most daunting everybody hates it task but it's got to get done otherwise it just doesn't look the same yeah that's true you know i mean that raises the question in general, though, like about in the story of Q, like how did you guys get into the metal drums uh-huh. that, that you were like that are beautiful? And so, you know, you guys are well known for. Did you learn it at Orange County? All right. This is probably a story I shouldn't tell, but I'm going to tell it anyway. The first snare drum I ever built with wood rings was a drum by a little a little Canadian dude. And uh and uh the drummer who owned the drum came in and was like 
I, this thing's ripping heads left and right. I can't tune it. I thought it was going to be great. I don't know what to do with it. And me at the time, I'm like, let me see what I can do. So I started messing with it. And I'm like, you know what? I could probably put some wood re-rings in this, see what happens. Put some wood re-rings in it, cut, cut an actual snare bed on it. Um, it didn't have an air vent at the time. Um, I think that the builder was pushing for this non-air vent snare drum thing, like the air would come out where the snare beds are or whatever. I don't know. But it was just super choked. So I put an air vent in it. I think, Max, you helped, you helped snare bed it. I don't Maybe. I don't know. Sounds, yeah, but anyway, sounds right. It, it was a titanium shell. It was a titanium shell. Yeah. So we put it together, and the thing was ripping. Dude, it was sick. It was, was yeah. And, and I'm not one to, like, take mess with anybody else's builds but this one this this particular drummer um sammy j watson from apex theory who's ridiculous and he was at he was at mi when i was at when i was i think he was doing something at mi while i was there and we just kind of became friends whatever i haven't spoken to him in years but um uh i took that drum handed it back to him and he's like dude it's a brand new drum it's insane mm. didn't rip heads anymore because it had a wood edge but it didn't have that that bite that the titanium mm-hmm. would normally have yeah it was a little it was a little more subdued it was a little more controlled because of the wood re-rings so we started doing that in a lot of the snare drums like we would take black beauty shells cut the edges off put wood re-rings mm. in and it just kind of evolved so the drum kit thing happened in 2008 I was working for Nine Inch Nails. Josh Reese was the drummer. They had just put out this album called Ghosts. And it was all this weird, it's an instrumental album. And it's got all these weird organic sounds. It's not all electronic. And a lot of the sounds are like chains on a pizza platter as a snare, snare drum and like super crazy stuff. And part of the, part of the show was a second drum kit would come out and it was like this weird organic drum kit where I used like a, 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 the five gallon water jug as a rack tom. I used a metal trash can with uh, tambourine jingles in it as a floor tom. Um, mm. And we needed to build a bass drum. So when I went and got scrap metal, I got a bunch of galvanized steel. I'm like thinking we could use them as symbols or something, but they were like just dead. So I'm talking to Max. I'm like, what the hell are we going to do? He's like, Let's roll it into a shell. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, then then what? He's like, let's put rivets on it. I'm like, cool. So we rivet the seams, and he's like, let's throw some wood re-rings in there. Pop them in, and it's like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> and it sounded rad. It was a 20-inch bass drum, you know? Yeah. So I took it to the rehearsals, and it ended up sounding really good. <laughs> too Problem good. is, wow. it needed to sound trashy. <laughs> too good, yeah. And I didn't have – I didn't <laughs> – do, I didn't take the necessary methods to try and make it sound trashy. I was just like, this is rough. And so from that, we ended up using like a, uh, a DW, DW bass drum woofer and ran cymbals, like splash cymbals, different sizes, some flat pieces of metal off of the screw and a hanger across the front bass drum head. So every time you would hit, it'd just be like, you know, like chingling sure. kind of thing. Matt Mitchell a friend of mine who is uh, he's a producer, chief songwriter of Pussifer. He had just got Pussifer project off the ground with Maynard. And he was at that time, a guitar tech for nine inch nails. And he's like, dude, I love that bass drum. Can you make me a whole kit? 
So that's when we built, we built them a 28, 14, 16, 18. And that was like, that was the first galvanized steel kit we had ever made. Yeah. He and still has that it kit. Sounded, he still has that kit. Yeah. And it sounds so good that we were just like, huh. That was it for that was it for Orange County Drum. Well, no, we did one more for Frank Zuma. Uh-huh. At that time, remember we had done we had started doing like rolled stainless shells. Yes. So we had we had we, had we had yeah, we had done I, we we never did kit, but we did like a few different snare drums. Like I I actually made one for myself. Hey, I thought we did the one kit that we took for Nam that had that was polished with wood oh, rings in it. Maybe. Maybe your yeah. memory would be better than mine, dude. Nam yeah. Nam is just a blur, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, always. They all they all blend together. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. like you said, I mean, we we were just doing like snare drums and stuff for the most part. Sure. And and the stainless steel stuff. And that's kind of when that's about the time Orange County Drum like ended up moving into storage unit. I was on tour. Max was trying to do something there, but there wasn't much to to do with, and it just sort of fell by the wayside. When I started Q with Adam. Matt Mitchell again was with he was guitar tech on Katy Perry or, or playback or whatever. And it was just Matt and I as the main text for Katy Perry at this time. And he was still doing Pussifer. And he's like, Hey, I want a new kit. You think you could do copper? Matt has the first galvanized kit, the first copper kit. Mm-hmm. And uh and they still are rocking to this day. Yeah. Um Crazy. But that that really set the bar for what we were going to do later on. And, you know, we were so new at it. We hadn't perfected it yet. We were just like getting orders. We're like, oh, so let's just build it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then we found some flaws. That's what happens. And Max really kind of like took it to here. It was here. And they were sounding fantastic. Max is like, I'm going to make them better. And now they're like, now they're here. And that it's the formula we use. It's, they're ridiculous. We're using thicker metal instead of thinner metal, but we're cutting the re-rings different to fit in properly so there's no slippage and all that. It's just like next level. And that, that, that plays to what Max was talking about earlier, how we will, we will riff off of each other. We will butt heads often. And mm-hmm. part of this was more like a production speed thing. And I didn't like the idea of changing how we put the re-rings in. And when he did it and he showed me, I was like, okay, I'm an idiot. That this is this well, you is can admit when you're wrong. Yeah. Well, you you have you have to, you know, you have to. And when you have someone as talented as Max, it really makes you go, okay, fine. And it really didn't take any more time. Actually, it took less time because you're just you're you're spending more time in the calculations and the measurements and less time in the actual like building and this didn't work out. I have to cut another re-ring and do all this other stuff. So yeah. yeah. I mean, Max, was this was this like a natural like I mean, did you feel like a like like a fish in water? I guess I'd say we're like I've built wood drums for such a long time. Going to metal was super easy. Yeah. Well, well so I thought my drum career was like over. Like um, I had kind of like started a new year chapter of my life. You know, like I I wasn't really playing music as much as I was. And I was just like, well, you know, the drum thing that was like a cool phase of my life like let's see what i'm doing whatever and uh and at the time i was working for a hotel like downtown i was like valeting cars downtown la dude it was awesome i was like a great job i was a valet yeah dude yep. respect man like great job camaraderie <laughs> fun 
cash in hand. Yep. And uh, yeah, and then Jeremy, like we had met up. He was on tour with Katy Perry. We'd met up to go eat downtown. We hadn't seen each other like in a while. And yeah, years. Yeah, he's like, oh, dude, like, oh, I'm, I started a drum company. He's like, dude, come down and build with me. Like, literally, like, kids on a playground. Like, dude, come down and build with me. Like, is Max home? You know, like, and I was like, yeah, can you come I, was out like play? <laughs> I was like, sure, okay. But yeah, like, I kind of felt uh, not rusty, but just kind of like, oh, I haven't even thought about this in so long, you know? And the same, like, people family and friends would be like why don't you start your own drum company and stuff and i just had zero interest dude like zero interest um because it was just yeah it was just it was what it was it wasn't this like it was never this like business thing so it was just like nah i'm good sure so i started going down like i went down to q we just like hung out a little bit and did whatever and just to check out a shop and like just to like see what had become and you know, it was like seeing all the like old tools from like the, the shop and stuff like that and weird things that like I had intimately spent on that note. Oh no, what do you got? Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy recognized this, dude. But anyways, so, you know, seeing tools I had intimately spent like thousands of hours. Oh my god. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Okay. Can you describe that for okay. people who were just like this listening is, in the car? This cars? is an inexpensive uh, American stainless steel, like technically it's a butcher knife. And we use this knife to cut wrapped material um, up until the day I left. Q. We mm-hmm. use this at Orange County Drum. We use this at Q. I have cut thousands of drums with this. Like, so this is you would use to cut off the excess material on a, on a shell. And um, certain materials use different tools, but a knife like I have found works a lot. And you can see like the 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 blade, the blade is deformed because uh, I've resharpened it so many times. But it was always a joke. Like when I used it at Q, (laughs) when I used it at Q, Jeremy's like, dude, you're the only one who uses that POS, you know? And and then you even said, you're like, dude, if you ever leave here, you better take it. And I was like, 100% I'm taking this knife. (laughs) Like, the thought hadn't put, crossed my mind, but I was like, yeah, this is mine, dude. Like, I'm, this, I'm taking it. So, anyways, so I go to the shop and so there's, all these, that's awesome. there's all these old tools and, like, all my old, all my old friends, you know, like, things yeah. that I'd spent with. And it was cool. It was super cool. And it was like, we just hung out and ca- caught up, whatever. And then, um, like, a short time after, he was like, hey, I'm going to NAM. Like, can you help me build some drums? Like, and he was, dude, straight up. He's like, dude, I'll pay you. And I was like, okay. At this, so at this time, <laughs> my, my now wife and I were like, we were at that point, we were like trying to buy a house and stuff. And I was like, dude, let's, I'm, I'm down. Like I'm, I'm working two jobs anyways. Like let's like burn it. I'm down to burn it and, and, and squirrel some cash. So I was started working at the shop and it was like, it was cool, dude. It was like, um, all these things that legitimately were muscle memory, like that I had forgotten to do. Like, you know and it's not i mean it's not like rocket science but when you're flattening a big shell we have this really big sanding disc that we use to flatten drums so you have like one cohesive edge and it's like takes a certain stance and a certain it has a feel to it and like there's like a rhythm to it and and all this stuff and it was cool to just like yeah i'm I'm like back building drums but you know a lot of this stuff within to, to a certain point i was super comfortable with like wood drums wrapping drums doing things like that and then it was like there's this other side of like metal side that was like more intimidating, but I had done a ton of metal work on the side for myself, like building things for people like industrial things or in, uh, metal furniture. So I wasn't like ultra intimidated, but there was 
you know, it's like, oh, like a big kit is, is a big thing. So the way my mind works is I'm always trying to find, like to initially get back to the question you had originally asked me. <laughs> I went on a tangent sure. of like, well, I was born <laughs> no, no, in it's, it's cool to get your input. <laughs> yeah. No, I like getting your um, input, yeah. You know, so how my brain works is I'm always trying to find the most efficient way to do something. And I, and I, and I think it, like efficiency of movement. And still to this day, I, I, I work like that. Like, uh, I think it comes from working when I was really young, I worked in the restaurant industry. And I think you have to kind of be like aware of your surroundings and like efficient with your, with your movements. And I think that's something that carried over. And uh, so when I was at Q or when I was at OC or I was at any job I've ever had, it's like I'm always thinking of like efficiency of movement, efficiency of movement. And inconsistency is like the big thing for me, like consistency, consistency. And obviously I want to make in anything I'm doing, I want it to be like the best that I can do. And so naturally, like when, you know, like Jeremy was always, dude, that was like, I think that was like one of our biggest strengths. It's like Jeremy would always bring me this puzzle that he put together and then it was like, hey, man, like rough edges. Yeah, but it was it was, but it was a complete puzzle. And then he, he, it was just like, hey, man, like make this understandable. And it, it's not like he, he would literally say that to me, but it was what would happen. I would yep. when he would show me how to do something or like how I would always ask, how do you do it? Because I, I literally legitimately I don't want to know how to do it. I want to know how you do it. And then I back would backtrack my thinking is to like, OK, well, that seems like a useless step. Like, you know, or something like that, or like, well, there, there's an opportunity for error. Um, and then down the line, there's like three compounded errors. So you have this big error, you know, and then so basically that I just wanted like, hey, yeah. I wanted to not waste my time messing stuff up because that feeling sucks. <laughs> and oh, then, God, yeah. you know, so I just kind of like naturally happens. And then we would get to a point where you know when it would make sense when you'd have to explain it to somebody once or maybe twice and they would like sure. quite literally hit the ground running and you're like oh well that's yeah. obviously the way to do it you know yeah. like yeah. you basically filter through and you're like oh well pff, i was ice skating uphill now i'm cruising you know like well it needs to be repeatable because like yeah. it's a company so it needs uh-huh. to be like here's here's what we're doing each time and it's been refined yeah 100 percent. and uh yeah and, and i mean i always logged everything that i did at q um, for that exact reason that I was like, well, one, there should be like a standard of procedure, which we never had in Orange County. No. You know, these were like lessons never. that we learned. It was just like, this is what's expected, I think. And then a lot of the times the I think portion was like, well, that was you interjecting like, yeah, this is how it should be. This is how I want it to be. And then everyone would basically meet, meet that standard, you know, and then at Q, I, 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 I upheld what the name meant. Like it really meant something to me, you know, that, and it was like, okay, well, so then that needs to be repeatable. And it also needs to not be this like cauldron of secrets that like I keep to myself in a dungeon. (laughs) I had it written down and I wanted everyone to know it's like it also for myself because like I forget stuff all the time. But to be like, hey, like I would make charts for like, here's like a ratio chart for like sizes and stuff. Um, And and that way anybody could pick up and relatively have an understanding of what's happening. I mean, I, I still use those charts to this day. It's still, awesome. it's just, I go to, I go over to the binder, I open it up. I'm like, okay, this is the setback. This is, 
this is the length for a 14. If I'm doing this material, it's, yeah, it, it's invaluable. And uh, that's, you know, when I had asked Max to help, my, my goal was to have somebody I didn't have to babysit, number one, period. I mean, because, you know, we're I'm doing this new thing that I'm still trying to figure out. I can't sit there and babysit and teach you what to do if I'm still trying to figure it out in my own way. And so Max comes in, he's like, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, I like it. He's like, you shouldn't do it. Okay, cut it. And then it just kind of evolved. And then all of a sudden, now it's like, bam, we've got jigs, we've got this, we've got that. And you lay it out, you do the thing. Still takes skill to build them. Right. But a lot of the guesswork is taken out of it because of these steps that Max implemented. So, yeah. It's huge. And you can repeat and do it. And I mean, if you had to in a, put down a number, how long would you say it takes to build? You can pick brass, copper, steel, whatever. It, how long does it take you guys to build a kit start to finish one of these amazing drum sets? I mean, you build a shell pack in a day, but you got to let yeah. the glue rest. So, yeah, I mean, like uninterrupted, like work hours without like dry times. Like realistically, you could build a kit in two days, like depending on the, hmm. the gnarliness of the finish. You know, sure. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like, if awesome. you were just a machine that didn't need to eat, like, like twenty <laughs> hours, like twenty hours of just yeah. like smash work. You know, pretty cool. Yeah. And you guys are forming the shells and doing all that stuff yeah. uh, yeah. in house. Yeah, that's the best part. I mean, that's the main question people ask, which I, I actually forgot to ask in the Orange County episode, and people told me in the comments of like, you didn't ask where the shells came yeah. from. Um, which, uh, let, where did let, the shells come let, from for Orange let, County? Let, let, me, let me nip that one in the butt if you don't mind. Uh, oh, wow. yeah. They're Keller shells. And I see online how much people bash Keller shells. Yeah. I'm pro Keller. Why? You, listen, you get you get a Camco from LA, guess what it is? You yeah. know what I mean? It's going to be Keller shells. You, you get a dope DW the, from the 90s? The, the, the best DWs yep. early, like early 90s, pre-90s 90 are, are Keller shells. I don't get... Just because any, any kid can buy it from a website and get a wrap and put it around it doesn't mean you can make a good drum no no it's like being upset right? we smelt our own copper yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. Wait, you tell me you don't stuce your own smelting they're the best I mean, at making the, shells let them do what they do best they've yeah. been doing it for so long you yeah. know um, no that's come up a lot on the show and keller's awesome and i think it's, it's with, custom to each brand usually too with, with q we don't use keller anymore after max left um i use an, I took I use another with company he, t- he took him with me. um we we actually use nordic uh, okay i don't know if you're familiar with nordic shells I, i've heard of them i need to do a history on nordic because i mean that's, wow. that's pretty cool all i can say it, but the thing is i was looking for something more when we were with when we were using keller with q we could get 10 ply shells and that's what we would use as our reinforcement rings in our metal shells with Nordic, I can use twelve ply, and each ply is thicker, and there's no uh, there's no cavities where the veneer doesn't meet up properly, so it's solid. Uh, but because it's twelve ply, it's more reminiscent of a six six ring. Six six meaning if you're using a maple shell, this was the Camco, this was the DW, this was the Orange County with re rings. This is a six ply maple shell with a six ply reinforcement. Ring. And that is hands down the best maple shell I've ever heard or ever played or ever built, messed with, whatever. I wanted to mimic that 
edge, that 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 profile on our metal drums. So now that's why I go with Nordic. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And you know, I, I think what you guys have done has clearly worked. Looking at the artist roster is insane. And right off the bat, we should say that Ilan Rubin, who is your partner, right? I mean, he yeah. described that relationship a little bit because Dear God, he is a monster drummer. I mean, yeah, he's musician. incredible. Monster musician. Musician, not, you're right. He's not you're bad, right. is he? Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Um, so Alon was an OC artist. Uh, I met him when he was 11. Had braces, short curly hair. I mean, a twig. And he was just, <laughs> he was such a polite, cool kid. Still, I mean, still is. And, uh, you know, we Max and I both built him a bunch of drums at Orange County Drum. Um, I was still with Orange County when he came on board with Nine Inch Nails. And that kind of solidified our relationship because I helped him get into the fold with Nine Inch Nails. And ever since, he's just taken it and ran with it. Um, and he was an OCDP artist. Um, we built him a galvanized steel. He's another OCD o- OC artist that did uh, yeah. that a galvanized. That's right. Uh, but we built that. We built that for him post Q, where Matt and Frank Zumo they got theirs pre Q. That makes sense. So uh, Q was already going. Uh, he wanted he wanted a galvanized steel kit for the drum off. When they would do the drum off finales, they would have. Um, artists come up and and like do a, a clinic or play or whatever and he was he was on that night it was him it was aaron spears it was a couple of the people i can't remember and i built him the galvanized kit that had ocdp logos it sounded phenomenal um and after that you know we were going into 2013 i think with nine inch nails and he's like why am i playing ocdp i can't even get a kit i'm just gonna you know i want to play yeah, it good pl- point I'll play what you I'll play Q, but I want I don't want to just be an artist. I want to be more than that. I'm like, okay, well, I could definitely use some funds and definitely use some help to get this off off the ground. And he jumped right in. So that that was that. Awesome. Seems like a very cool guy. Obviously, just everything you see on top of being just a musical kind of prodigy. It's Um, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But beyond that, there's like Dom Howard, Tucker Rule. I'm looking at your artist list, uh, Chris Hornbrook, um, Zach Lind. I mean, there's just, I don't want to skip anyone. There's just so many. Everyone is like Hayden Scott from Ghost. Everyone is like a top tier um, player. Obviously, Joe Schmo can just call and get a kit made as well. I mean, you don't have to be in a huge band. But the fact that all these like kind of like very cool and like in guys and girls, if that makes sense, play it just speaks a lot to the brand. Um, I feel like you've created, there's similar, I mean, it's it's not really surprising, but similar to Orange County, there's just sort of a similar feel, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we try Obviously, to bring that. you guys, we, yeah. Well, yeah, we try, to bring, we try to bring that same vibe over where, like I said, artists would call us directly, be like, hey, this is what I think I want to get. And we would yeah. we would coach them through what, what was possible, what would work best for their tour, what would blah, 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 blah. And we became friends mm. through all of that. And that yeah. to me is most important, but I don't wear a suit. Max doesn't wear a suit. I'm not, I'm not sitting here thinking like how many IG posts are you going to post about my drum kit this week? Don't <laughs> yeah. post about it. 
Are you my friend? Awesome. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. I mean, that literally, how, how good of a person are you? Um, that is supersedes everything. I don't care if you're the greatest drummer or the worst drummer. If you're, if you're a good dude and you want to, or, 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 or chick and you want to play and you want to play our drums, let's do it. Yeah. I think let's that's, al- yeah. that's always been the secret sauce is like, we, I mean, we, we yeah. always say this about Q like tongue in cheek, but it was like, dude, it's like our roster is like our family. Like in that sense where it was like, yeah. everyone's like a friend, like genuinely. And like, if, if anything carried over from Orange County, it was similar. It was like a bunch of kids who like love these things and who love making these things, love making these things for people who love to play these things. It's like, it's fantastic. A perfect yeah. relationship, you know, and you're cool, yeah. dude, let's go. Yeah. Let, let's go to the brewery and grab some food and grab a beer and hang out. And, oh, yeah. that, and that was a big thing. That's a big thing too, man, about Q was like, it was very much about the hang is it that more ever than it was about like adding your name to an impressive list so that we could yeah. like boast totally. about it. It was like legitimately dude. It was like about like, dude, we just want to hang out. And if you're cool, it was like, dude, we want to hang out more. Like, you know, so it was always yeah. great to have somebody come around or be in town or stop by. That was the secret. Like, For sure. like the people you worked with. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know what the cool thing is about it too? Is like the, the, uh, where the line blurs is like within, within touring world, I'd be on tour and we would have all these amazing opening acts for whatever band I was working for. And they would always be, they would have heard of Q or whatever, or they'd just be intrigued by the drums, the drummer. And then all of a sudden we would always get to talking and one thing would lead to another. And it's like, I want to try out a kit. I mean, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's try try something out. And, yeah. and they would always be like, man, I've never played anything like this before. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it's necessarily the built quality. I think again, a lot of it has to do with how you sell the image of what the company is, and the company for us is we just we're, we're family oriented. We love each other. We hang out. We want that to be part of it. And I think when people come on board, they're like, "This is rad." Yeah, and I, I, I yeah. and I think with that too, it was always like, it was always. Th- almost like they had to ask first in a way, meaning like it wasn't like, Oh, Hey, like you meet somebody and then immediately like, let me give you, I built drums. Like you want, let me, let me build you some drums. Let me, you need to play my drums. No, it was always like, they had to come ask. They had like that threshold, unless you were like good friends with them. And that threshold was always like, you have to ask me in the sense that like, I don't want to encroach what I do on you. Like it has to be natural in that way. You know, that's that's, that's what it is. Yeah. We're not pushers dude. Like, and no, and, and obviously, we're not like, pushers and we're not poachers. Yeah, yeah. Like Jeremy, obviously, like to- really? tours way more, does way more sessions than I would ever do. But like every once in a while, I would get when the like ninth guy on the list wasn't available, they would call Max, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, whatever. So I would like work these gigs and stuff, and like, and uh, it was always kind of the same thing. Like I would never mention that, like, like oh, bro, I work at Q. Like I never mentioned it because it was just like. It wasn't who I was. It wasn't who the company was. And then somebody would find out and they'd be like, dude, why did you like that? That's all. Why did you say something? I, I could have borrowed some drugs. I think it's cooler that way. I agree. It's cooler when people find out. I don't even bring up. I mean, the podcast is nothing compared to what you guys are doing, but 
I don't bring it up to people I meet, like, you know, in my neighborhood or something. And then when they yeah. find out about it later, but when they yeah. find out about it later, it's cooler. And they go, dude, what the, f- you, you do this. It's like, yeah, yeah. dude, your uh, voice is that different. sexy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Nice yes, to meet me. I know. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Please. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is leading right up to a good point to talk about um, the community that you guys have built. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we could talk all day. I mean, we're like an hour and a half deep right now. <laughs> Uh, and I feel like Jeremy, at some point, even another one where we could talk about your like drum teching and that oh, world dude. of just like tips and tricks for that. But I mean, for the sake of time, I think we should just so we we get to it. The community obviously has come together in a big part oh, you right want now. Me to, you want you want me to cry? And I thought this we were is friends. the hard part. <laughs> okay, we did talk about this before. I think that uh, people people would love to hear from you about what's been going on um, oh, and just like. You know, the amazing outpouring of support that's been going on. Maybe if you're comfortable with it, you just want to kind of tell people what's been going on in case they're not familiar with the situation, yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's heavy. Um, I was on tour in Europe. I was having some, I was feeling some sort of way and I needed to go see a doctor. And uh, I ended up in in a doctor's office in Athens and it was a, ga- a gastroenterologist and she did an endoscopy. And she found a tumor in my stomach. She said, I had a week left to tour. She said, uh, you need to go home immediately and get your affairs in order. Um, that's what I did. I flew home. And, uh, you know, when she called me the following week when I was at home to tell me the results of the biopsy, it came back cancerous. She said it was second, third stage cancer. And I'm like, okay. She's like, it's beatable, but you got to get on it now. So I found a team down here, down in San Diego. And uh, I went there. They did all the same tests, all that stuff. And um, ended up doing a PET scan, which is a little more, it shows a little bit more. And come to find out the cancer's in my bones, in my lymph nodes. It's now stage four. It's a high stage four. And it was... uh, Yeah, I mean, that's heavy, man. Heavy. No one should have to go through that. No, it's heavy, man. And to come on that fast, you know, like, there's yeah. no lead up to being sick like that, but. No. no. And, uh, you know, I, I hadn't worked for two and a half years because of the pandemic, really. And uh, but I just so everybody knows, I don't make money from Q. Q is just a passion project. Uh, I, make my, I make my money from touring. There was no touring. I'd finally gotten on a tour. I finally was able to get some work, get some money, and then this, which canceled the rest of my, I had two years slated on this tour, and um, I can't do it. And so, you know, I started to stress a bit. Um, Roger, Roger Coe, who's part of Q as well, um, hit me up. He's like, I want to do a GoFundMe. And I, man, I just don't feel comfortable with that shit. I, I just don't. And, uh, and I talked to my doctors, they told me what it was going to cost. And I was like, okay, we're, we're done. So I reached out to Roger and I said, okay, I guess, I guess run it. And he did. And he's like, I'm gonna put it at 250,000. I'm like, dude, why? You know what I mean? And when it hit and it started reaching I mean, when it got over 70,000, I, I, I was shocked. And the people, 
seeing the people that were donating, you know, like people that I've worked for that heard through the grapevine, putting tons of money down, um, all the drummer friends that I know that were reposting. I mean, I cried literally three, four hours a day for weeks. And uh, yeah, it actually helped me heal a bit it helped because it gave me this reason to fight, number one, but it also gave me the means to not have to stress. Um, I still have tons of medical bills. My medical bills are up over 200 grand. I do have medical insurance. Thank God. I have good news. I had, I had a second PET scan after my first six rounds of chemotherapy and immunotherapy. My scans show that it has lessened a lot. It's still there. Uh, the doctors believe that I will be living, living with this for the rest of my life. The way the way the, the way they liken it is it's like grass or weeds. You can you can pull the weeds from from their root even, but it's going to come back at some point. So the key is maintenance is basically to get it as minimal as possible. Um, I'm sick. Uh, I mean, I throw up. Excuse me. I'm nauseous. I throw up every day. I've lost sixty pounds. I'm really weak. I don't have the energy to stand or work in the shop at the moment. I thought that this month I'd be able to, but it just hasn't materialized yet. And, you know, I think I, I think the cancer is least of my worries at this time. It's more the side effects from all the stuff that they've given me to fight the cancer. But I'll say like, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for the community. I'd already be, I I would have already checked. Um, the community, my lady, my child, my friends that keep tabs on me every day, you know, and, um, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. And I'm, and I'm sorry, I, I've, I've gone on a tangent, but, oh um, no, my God, Go I, I, I honestly, I can't, I can't thank everybody enough. There's <laughs> Roger, my friend, Eric Lederman, Tucker. Geo, they formed like this little task force. They call it the Berman Task Force, I guess. <laughs> and they they put together this this auction that came out. The auction, so the auction that just happened was supposed to coincide with the with the jump of GoFundMe because, to be honest, I didn't think anybody was gonna donate, you know. And uh, they were they were worried about it too. So they had they had hit up all these people and got all this amazing gear and they finally had procured enough of it to put the auction in, but the GoFundMe crushed. I mean, it was, yeah. it was insane Big time. Yeah. And you know, like, you know, I've tried to pay it forward. I know there's been some people in our industry that have been, um, they've been affected the same way. Jonathan Cowell of revolution drum. Um, you know, I, I wanted to donate to him. He's, he's amazing. He texts me, you know, at least once or twice a week just to check up on me because he's been, he's been through it before and he's going through it again. And Jeez. he's got, he, you know, it's different than what I have, but it's still the same constipation, nauseous, losing weight, can't sleep because of the pain, all these things that, you know, uh, I, I guess only people that are dealing with cancer can really truly understand. So it's it's been nice to have 
someone to talk to. Um, I, was, I have another dear friend that also went through it. I, I won't mention his name because I don't think he's made it public, but he's a big influence in the drum industry. And he's let me know like, hey, dude, you got a kid. Fight for that. You have to fight. Yeah. Um, it's been uh, it's been eye opening. What makes me what makes me really sad is that I've Q was gaining so much momentum, and now it's just it's just it's a storage unit. Currently, I go down there once every other week to check mail, stare at the shop, and dream big. You know what I mean? Um, I built a snare drum recently. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And, uh, wow. but I did it. And the person that got it is amazing and she deserved it. And, you know, it's just, it's just a lot, man. It's just a lot. I, and, you know, when, yeah. I, when I, when I talk to my friends, you know, like, like every time I talk to Max and I don't talk all that often right now because when we do talk, it's emotional. Oh, we can't. It's, it's just, it's just so hard for me. Like, just, yeah, I feel you, man. I mean, man. you know, you you heard it's, him earlier. You heard yeah. him earlier. It just it, it hits me right here, and it's, it's just it's just hard, man. No one should have to go through this. And you and I literally just met tonight for the first time. And the fact that I feel a huge connection to you already, and I don't, I know it doesn't. What is it worth? But I am truly sorry, and I think everyone is that you have to go through this, and no one, yeah should have to go through this, but it doesn't pick good people or bad people. I mean, you're like an incredible guy and it's just, there's no, it's just, uh, it's uh, awful, but I, w- I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. My my poor parents, they, they both called me today and they're just like, Jer, I wish I was the one going through this. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't. And I, and I wouldn't want you to go through it because I'm, I'm stronger than you guys are. You guys are in your seventies. It, this is not this is not for you i i, I yeah. will get through this i will get through it again like just the amount of love that it showed is yeah. i was gonna is say truly is truly lifted me more than anything that i could have ever imagined i'm getting text messages from friends that i haven't talked to in forever and it's it's just uh, yeah I've, I've never seen anything like it the amount of people and just no especially in this community in this community, yeah. but, but I mean, if that's, I mean, dude, if that's not a testament to the person in itself, then I don't know what is. It's like something like this happens and then like, in let's be real, in somewhat of like a fickle, selfish industry, you have this turnaround of just wanting to help that in its own right, the sickness is like this emotional thing that I can only imagine. You have to like emotionally balance. And then you have all of this, this like, and I know like we, we're like this, like... Anytime anybody does anything for us, it's super hard. So I can imagine like how, how hard it is to like, dude, the outreach and the import of love is like unbelievable. It's such a beautiful thing that, and like the scale of it, man. So my point is, is like, if it's any testament to the person itself, you know, it's incredible. I love you too, man. It's incredible. You know, and I mean, I mean that, you know? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, the yeah. fact that you came on the show and we're like, we wanted, I mean, 
we emailed a while back and just coming on to share your story. I knew we had to save this stuff to the end because otherwise then it would be like, so tell me about Orange County. Right. <laughs> it would be like not the right order to go. Well, but I, I, will, mean, I will say without Orange County, there wouldn't be us, man. Exactly. And, and but that, me, we had to, to have me, fun first. Yeah, you know. of course. Of course. Um, I will say something that's pretty funny. I remember when I finally got the nerve to tell Daniel that I started Q. <laughs> I, I needed the nerve. I mean, you don't you don't understand, Daniel. Uh, it could have gone one of two ways, and it would have gone badly one way. And 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 I didn't want that because I love Daniel to death, and I love his family. I love Kirsten, and I didn't want to um, make waves. But I also wanted to build drums. That's all I know. I'm not a college graduate. I'm not even a high school graduate. Like, you know, I tested out of high school early and all I've ever done is worked. And I love tinkering on stuff. I started off in bicycles and I've moved on into drums. And it was, uh, there's uh, very much a, a, a tie in with both of those to me that are very important. Me, Max, and Sean Barber would go ride. I mean, it was like the best thing. We would, we would build drums. Sean would come from the tattoo shop with his bike. We'd go ride, we would laugh at Sean Crash, and we would just love it. We would love it, every minute of it. It yeah. was just the most fun, and it would give us just a release from the shop. Even if Max and I had a bad day with each other, we'd get on the bikes, we'd ride, and then we would laugh. Mm. And, it, and everything went away, you know? But anyway, I wanted to continue building drums, so I had to tell Daniel. And then it was like, Daniel's like, well, I wish you good luck. It's a stupid idea. <laughs> Because you're never going to make any money. And he was absolutely 100% correct. But at mm. the end of the day, it's never been about the money for us. It's always just been about making awesome stuff and having people love it like it was their child. You know? Yeah. And to me, that there's nothing that beats that. And with that, I think that that sort of spread into the community. And I have imposter syndrome right now. And it's weird. But um, the love has been unreal, and I really just want to get back to making Q again and having people be stoked on what we pump out. So. Yeah, for sure. It will absolutely happen, and I think, uh, like you said, the community is just unbelievable, and uh, this wouldn't have happened to someone who was not cool along the way and had burned bridges. And even the fact of what you said about Daniel and going to him and asking it's just like all these little things speak to your character of just how the business was handled. And even with you, Max, too, as well. You guys, it's just talking about how, you know, we might have had a bad day, but then you go and do, you know, go ride together and do this stuff. It's just like it's the community. It's the drum drumming community in general is all very um, it's 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 very cool and family oriented, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're friends. We're friends with just about every drum company out there. I mean, there might be a few that we're not the best of friends with, but I've always thought that you could learn something from somebody you know what i mean and i'm not one to sit there and oh well i shouldn't say i'm not one to bash somebody's drums i have I'm, I'm not, you know, <laughs> you're human we, we we all we all do it um yeah but but the community itself is just is incredible i mean there's there's nothing like it man and i i couldn't be happier to be a part even just a small part of it you know absolutely well clearly you're a huge part of it i mean with the that auction is just insane. Yeah, the the is amount of stuff that was unreal. Uh, 
It's oh, nuts. real. I, I'm yeah. sad. I'm, I'm sad. No one picked the Fred Armisen come to your house and do a stand up. I saw that. Oh I God, just I, when Fred wait when Fred posted when, or when Eric texted me to tell me that Fred. I actually work. I worked. I worked for Fred for for a couple shows. He was playing in Devo, and uh, he had asked me to come tech for him. And it was one of the funniest, most fun <laughs> things I'd ever done. He's he's exactly what you see on camera. He's quirky and funny, yeah. and just he's just sweet, man. And I, when that happened, I couldn't believe it. I, I just I could not believe it. Man. Um, all of it. Yeah. I mean, all all of it. I just, yeah, whew, unreal, unreal, unreal. And thank you, every single person that has ever donated to me for. I just, I, hopefully, I make you proud, and I get through this, and can start building drums again. That's all I care about. And my totally. friends, yeah, and your friends and family. And the friends no, and family. very well. Very well said. I mean, I think it's just unbelievable. I'll put a link in the description. I mean, you're at two hundred thirty-four thousand uh, dollars and and some change right now on the GoFundMe. So pretty unbelievable. I'll put it in the description for people who want to donate. Um, because like you said, stuff is expensive. So um, you can go find Q Drum online at QDrumCo.com. Um, but like social media and all that stuff. Do you guys want to like kind of tell people where to find you or anything? Q Drumco. <laughs> Q Drumco. <laughs> Q Drumco. <laughs> I will. I do want to. I want to thank you very much, Bart. I know you reached out to me early on in June, man. I really appreciate what you've done as far as, especially the OCDP stuff. I think it definitely needs to be pushed out there. I I keep seeing drum builders that are that have built Orange County drum stuff post Orange County drum, and it, you know, it it hurts my heart to see it because we were very much very prideful on us being the builders and, it, and when i see somebody saying well i built this okay what was the time frame was it was yeah. it post or pre and you know i yeah it, it drives me crazy because I, I i what you're doing is allowing us to clear the air about a lot of things yeah. um and you know i know we didn't we didn't dive very deep into ocdp i know you had the other two podcasts um but I will say, man, without that company, you wouldn't have half the companies you have today that are building great, great shit. You know, agreed. And, you know, the idea of a bunch of twenty-year-old idiots building ridiculous stuff, making it to the making it to the artists that we made it for, uh, is insane. Yeah, and I, yeah. And it's really cool to have something like on record that a you know, it reminds you, yeah, that was cool. Like I was a part of that, but it's also super cool for me to hear it from somebody else's perspective that went through the yeah. same thing that in other words is somewhat impossible unless it's of a scale of what it is like Orange County in that sense, you know, like, you, I, mean, I mean, you're not going to talk to for your sure. valet buddies about what valeting was like, but this is cool. This is like a moment in history <laughs> that you're a part of that you're unawarely, unknowingly a part of. And it's super cool that it's on record, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're doing this, bro. Oh, I appreciate you guys saying that. There's something interesting about hearing other people. Like, I bet in a year we'll watch like a documentary about like COVID and we'll be like, oh man, that was so, you know, it, it puts it in a different perspective yeah. Yeah. to like watch or hear someone else talk about yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate that. That's, 
very kind words from you guys. But um, on that note, thank you guys for watching uh, and, and listening, everyone out there, and Jeremy and Max. Guys, thank you for being here. And uh, maybe down the road, we'll have you back and talk about something else. My pleasure, but, um, man. For now, thank you guys thank you. for being oh, here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. If you like this podcast, find me on social media at Drum History and please share, rate, and leave a review. And let me know topics that you would like to learn about in the future. Until next time, keep on learning. <laughs>